Hello, and welcome back to the Hilton's podcast. We are so glad you can join us for another discussion on The Outsiders. On today's episode, we will discuss chapter 5 and 6. Let's get into it. In case you have not read chapters 5 and 6 of The Outsiders, we will be briefly summarizing them. P.S. There are spoilers. On chapter 5, Ponyboy and Johnny went to look for the church on the hill that Dahlia directed them to. They stayed hidden until Johnny went to get supplies, and then they changed their appearance so it was harder to find them. When Dally came, he told them that the socks were angry, and a big fight was boiling up between the socks and greasers. Then, in Chapter 6, Johnny wanted to confess because he was tar- tired of hiding. He thought that he could get away with it, but Dally was unsure about that and did not want to see him die in prison. The chapter ended with a fire in the f- church. They went in to rescue kids that were stuck in the fire, and it resulted in Johnny being in bad shape and going to the hospital. Then Dally and Ponyboy were slightly injured. I'm Erica, and I'm going to talk about some of the psychological effects of being attacked or mugged. We see Johnny being affected the most by being jumped by the socks. We do not fully know the lengths to which he was attacked, but we know it was pretty bad. Bad enough so that the guy who is normally so sweet and wouldn't hurt a fly stab another person when he felt that his life was in danger. While you should never diagnose severe mental health disorders without contacting a specialist, for the sake of this discussion, we will pretend Johnny has medically diagnosed PTSD. If you do not know what PTSD is, it is a disorder that develops in some people after they experience a shocking, scary, and or dangerous event. Symptoms are sometimes nightmares, flashbacks, heightened reactions, anxiety, or depression. You see a lot of these in Johnny when he gets scared or startled, such as when uh, Steve scared him the other day. and today I will be discussing teen tobacco use in the time period of the 1960s. Before the alcohol temperance movement, cigarettes were advertised to young teens and adults, and there were no laws that set an age restriction to smoke. In the 1960s, smoking was widely popular and not looked frowned upon. In fact, an average of 42% of Americans used to smoke in the 1960s. In 1968, the largest percentage of Marlboro smokers were between the ages of 15 through 17. In 1969, the PM Research Department realized that they were more appealing to underage youth than adults. Many cigarette brands stated that they were wishing that teenagers did not start smoking at such an early age. Yet, when less teens started smoking, they saw it as a negative trend in the market, which is contrary to their previous statement. Additionally, concerns focused on specific groups seem to be specifically vulnerable to the social and psychological effects of chronic cigarette smoking, notably youth and women. An unrestricted tobacco advertising often 
with health-related claims was seen as taking unfair advantage of those who were most vulnerable. One big piece of literature that is compared to the outsiders is the story West Side Story. So the obvious biggest similarity between the two stories is the gang rivalries. In West Side Story, there are the Sharks, who are Puerto Rican immigrants, and the Jets, the native New Yorkers. In the Outsiders, there are the Sox, who are the higher class people, and the Greasers, who are classified as lower class. In both scenarios, even though they were written at different times, they both share some themes. Like in the West Side Story, the Jets look down upon the Sharks. And the outsiders, the Sox, look down more on the greasers. However, the loyalties of gangs are shared in both stories. In both books, loyalties, loyalties between gangs and that brotherhood type of mentality is honestly what fueled a lot of the story and feuding within the story. That whole revenge or redemption aspect of it um, for their brothers is what carries them. The first McDonald's was created in 1940 in California, but it wasn't the McDonald's we have today. It was just one restaurant, and it was not even a drive-thru. They did, they did have a speedy system, they called it, which was an assembly line for hamburgers. Once they shrunk their menu to hamburgers, fries, and milkshakes, they opened eight more restaurants. Since McDonald's focused on milkshakes, an inventor of a multi-mixer, Ray Kroc, was trying to make money, so they teamed up. He really liked the speedy system they had, and he got them to expand to Illinois. Then finally, in 1961, Ray Kroc bought them out, and it went off from there. Just like Ray Kroc went and saw the first McDonald's, the owners of the soon-to-be Burger King went and saw it too, and adapted to the speedy system as well. And so fast food was expanded to Florida. After the speedy system was perfected for burger joints, other food joined in the speedy system, especially pizza. Frank and Dan Carney opened up the first Pizza Hut in Wichita, Kansas, and there is a museum on the campus. It was not long before they opened a Pizza Hut in Canada. Then Domino's joined the Pizza Fat in Michigan and added delivery services and produced the guarantee of 30 minutes or it's free. Then the corporation of Yum! Brands started to own Taco Bell, KFC, and much more. With the rising culture of fast food, Farms were needed to provide all the supplies needed to create the food, and this is when big corporation farms flourished. It was not before long when McDonald's and other fast food companies decided to take over farms or make their own. Cars were also becoming a very, very popular and were already a part of everyday life, so when fast food restaurants were finally made and perfected, drive throughs were a perfect way to put the cherry on top. First discussion we're going to talk about is why does Johnny possess such guilt if his actions were in self-defense? I think he feels really guilty because he never wanted it to come 
to this of where he had to kill someone. And even though it was self-defense, I think after he kind of started doubting, like, oh, maybe I could have done this to prevent it rather than killing him. Yeah, like Carolina said, I think he's finally kind of playing it back in his mind of, like, maybe I shouldn't have stabbed there. Maybe I should have just pushed him or something where he could have stopped it. So I think he knows he could have stopped it, like we talked in our last podcast. But at the moment, it was just so rushed that it just kind of all happened. And now he's kind of realizing he maybe could have stopped it. Yeah, like you said, in the moment, he did what he had to to get him and his friend out of their state or out of there. But now that um, it replays, kind of like what Erica talked about with the trauma thing, it's going to replay in his mind over and over again. And, you know, the death of someone's not something to take lightly. And so with that event happening and him replaying it over and over, that's when the guilt can set set in and the weight of what actually went down. If he took somebody's life, whether he intended to or didn't, it's still on his shoulders now, and he has to live with that. And also, I think maybe there's a part of him that thinks he meant to because of what has happened to him, and maybe it was an act of revenge, and he saw an opportunity. So maybe it was not necessarily planned, but maybe he did intend to kill him. There were some ulterior motives, whether he realized it at the time or not. I don't even know if it's so much guilt, more just he wished it could have gone differently. He wished they wouldn't, they the socks weren't drunk. He wished they wouldn't have tried to kill Pony Boy. He just wishes things had ended up different. Mm-hmm. I also think, um, kind of like Keaton said, that there were other alternatives before he killed um, the sock. And I think that one of the ways it would have been just to show that he was, like, dominant over them. Like, I could hurt you if I wanted to, but I just want to get out of here. Yeah, especially because he had gotten beaten up so badly. He didn't want that to happen again. He's like, I'm not going to let them do that to me twice, prove a lesson. But then it went too far, and now he has to live with that death. I think it was also kind of like a fight or flight instinct, Mm -hmm. and he Last time, I think he usually chooses to flight to run away and to get away. But I think this time he chose to fight, and the fighting kind of went too far. Mm-hmm. And I think his guilt also has to go with he ran away, so he kind of knows. He's not necessarily he's in the wrong because it was, was self-defense, but he did run away, so it makes him seem even, like, more guilty. Mm-hmm. And then... He didn't really. He wanted to turn himself in, but he just ran away, which I think is just a huge deal. Of maybe that whole time he knew it was bad. I think that kind of was what is making him less likely to get out of it as self defense, because I think even from the beginning when they ran away, he was already doubting that it was self. What his intentions were? Because if he really thought that it was self defense, then he may have just gone to the police and told them like, what happened? What happened? What's up? And before they found out from finding a dead body. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing we'll talk about is why do Pony and Johnny leap into the burning building without hesitation? Will their actions prove some atonement? Um, I think that they just leaped right in because they have that natural, like, protection instinct in them. They saw people in need, and they wanted to go help them. 
And in the book, uh, Ponyboy was even like, I don't know why I'm not scared, but I, I wasn't in that instance when he was just worried about getting the kids out. And it was that adrenaline rush that went to him in that whole protective instance. I just think they felt guilty because I knew, like, right away, they're like, that was our cigarettes, that was our cigarettes. Maybe it wasn't their cigarettes, but it was kind of like them right away. They're like, that is all my fault. And then I think they kind of got to the guilt of, like, okay, what if these kids die? Then it'd really be my fault because I caused it. And so I feel like that was them, like, all right, well, it is my fault, so I do need to fix this. And I do think that's just how Pony and Johnny are. I think a lot of the gang would do that regardless, even if they didn't cause it. I feel like if they had a chance to go save someone, they would. Like, just because they're a gang doesn't mean they're horrible people. Mm -hmm. I mean, they saw people needed help, and so they wouldn't help them. And I don't really think it crossed their mind that actions would, like, help them out. Maybe a little, like, unconsciously, but I think most of it was just, we want to help. And then I think afterwards, I think when that, who was it? Was the EMS guy? Yeah, it was in the ambulance. Yeah, he was kind of like, felt probably bid well for you know like they even thought about yeah. that they're like are you heroes and they're like no we're actually juvenile delinquents yeah. but mm-hmm. in that moment they were heroes yeah i think sometimes people see them as like bad people especially from the sock side um but in reality they are always like they're for each other and like you can tell with the relationships they hold with each other that they always want to be helpful and they are always there for when someone needs it um and like Keaton said, I think they really felt guilty, but at the same time, they were like, well, we got to, because it was our fault, or at least they think we got to help them. Because even when, was it Dally that was hitting on Cherry or Sherry or whatever you want to call it? They already knew it was kind of wrong that like he was doing that, and they necessarily didn't do anything, because I mean, that's Dallas, they're kind of scared he of just him. He's just a flirt, too, but sometimes. But they're like... They kind of knew that was wrong, so like they, they have them. morals. They, ha- they have morals. They might not always act on them, but they do have morals that we do see in the book that sometimes are shown and sometimes aren't. I do think it's mostly guilt, but I think there was some part of them in there in themselves that were like, "We have nothing else to lose. Mm-hmm. We're already on the run. Our life is already in danger. If we go home, we are probably going to go to jail, or Pony Boy is going to be sent away." Or they're going to get killed by the Sox. I feel like they know that. So that's part of the reason why they didn't jump in there without hesitation. Because they had nothing else to lose. Also, maybe it was a point of like, okay, well, like, we killed someone. And maybe this kind of, like, resolves. It's like, okay, so, like, I canceled out that bad with this good. Because I saved them. Or mostly just, like, didn't add to it. Yeah. Like, they didn't intention on, like, canceling out one death for saving another but they knew they didn't want the weight of more lives taken because of them. And I also think just the gang in general has that whole protectiveness because they don't have that in their own families. And so they're protective of each other. And that's that whole heroic jumping into the fire. Yeah. And I think they've talked about it. They mentioned how it's like, um, especially like how Johnny's parents Mm -hmm. aren't ever there for him, but Pony Boy's like, well, we're always here for you. So I just think they build that connection. Thank you for joining our discussion of chapters 5 and 6 of The Outsiders. Stay tuned for our next episode. Sincerely, The Hiltons.